Well, hello everyone, I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. And so it is, and okay, let's get started. Oh, my friends, I am so excited about my wonderful guest. And I should say, by the way, if you notice this camera here, I'm sitting in a virtual classroom and the little dog that's decided to give us some background music is a grand dog. So we'll just have to, I take my podcasting studio with me wherever my life takes me. So please bear with me as we have some interruptions. But back to my wonderful guest, Sophia Spolino, the host and the founder of The Enlightened podcast, as well as a digital, and I'm going to add life coach because I see so much of your work on TikTok and Instagram that is changing lives. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is something that um, I'm holding space for because I read the comments of people, what they're saying with when you share your story. So goddess, thank you so much for giving us your time and energy here today. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're like, you got me sweating. (laughs) I'm going hot and cold today. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Thank you so much. You have no idea how happy I am to be on your show or just get to talk with you. You're one of my favorite people on the internet and you've become like, just like an internet mom that's said all the things to me and so many other people that we've wanted to hear from your generation in our lives when we didn't feel accepted or seen and you make us all feel seen. So thank you. You are so welcome. I'm not sure about the dog. I might have to pause. I might have to pause this. I don't know what's going on here. Okay back to our regularly scheduled program here after our little doggy interruption. All right, Sophia, I just want to jump right into it. You have such a marvelous story. And I know so many of both of our followers are going to enjoy this space where you can just expand a little bit more into it and share your story. So I'm just going to open up the mic and allow you to start with where you came from and how it brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, I am 29 years old today, but I was born in South Louisiana. So very Southern, very Christian, very Republican community. And I was brought up going to political rallies for things that I didn't have any say in. And I was told to believe in. I started going to a very charismatic church when I was really little and I was slain in the spirit and encouraged to speak in tongues. And it was, it was a lot of pressure to be this good Christian girl since I was really little. And I always felt my, my dad and my, my mom even would, would tell me sadly They'd say things like, oh, you just have to be good at English and spelling. You don't have to worry about math or science. You're a girl. Like, you don't have to be good at those things. Uh, You're going to college to get your MRS degree, (laughs) like get married. Like, there's that was what I was told my whole life. And um, so charismatic church, I was actually pulled out of school in fourth grade because I was bullied, which I thought my parents were so amazing for pulling me out. But it was so much more than that. They didn't want us to be like the world. So they decided to keep us <laughs> inside and homeschooled. And from that day, I pretty much ended up being best friends with my sisters 
And I was really grateful to have homeschooled teachers. We were very privileged in that way that I had it still a good education by someone who was getting their master's degree in college that my mom would hire. So it wasn't as bad as I think some people's homeschool experiences might have been. And I'm not knocking homeschooling for everyone, Um, but it was isolating (laughs) for sure. And I felt like I missed out on a lot of normal social interactions. Another crazy thing that I'd hear my parents say is, oh, like we're a homeschool you, but we couldn't send you to an all girl school because you'll end up gay. You'll like, you'll just be a lesbian if we send you to an all girl school. So we're going to homeschool you to keep you away from boys and send that sort of thing. So (laughs) jokes on them. I, I want to, I want to pause for something you, you uh, just for our followers who might not know what this is, because I've had this question before yeah. you mentioned slain in the spirit. Mm. At, at what age did you have that experience? You know, it's something that I've always known. So I grew up in nursery school. And then I remember my parents would pull me out of nursery school and be like, Oh, today, like you're learning about big church. Like you're going to big people church. And would try to be like, you're better than the other kids in this way. We're like, you're ready for this, I guess. And it was like, I love my parents. They had great intentions and like, we've done a lot of healing, but it, it was kind of crazy to think that you're putting a kid in that environment with a lot of yelling and jumping over chairs. And I remember my parents saying, um, and I don't remember this so much because I was really little when they were heavily involved in this kind of church, but they would say that church would last from like eight in the morning to at least like three or four. And they would take a little lunch break and then go back to it. And that's just crazy to me. Yeah. So I remember being there, but I, I, yeah, that's about it. And I remember, okay. you know, falling down and, and then like laying things on you and watching other people get like yelled at and pretty much spit mm-hmm. on from the mm-hmm. forcefulness and, and laying down and then laying sheets over them because of course you couldn't be improper as a woman uh, and not have a sheet on top of you yes. to cover you up. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and so it's a very much a like a physical out out a display of what's supposed to be happening on inside. on the inside. And I think yeah. And, and I think based on my experience, I saw a lot of animation around that where mm. some of it may have been authentic, but a lot of it seemed to be part of just playing a role that was inside mm. that. So I don't want to judge it, but at the same time, I do think it was also, it, it was used a lot of times to manipulate people. Cause if mm. you didn't have that power that people were displaying, then you were doing something wrong or something I- like that. Absolutely agree. I felt so much pressure to be able to be like, so essentially like enlightened that you'd be slain in the spirit. But I will say that now being outside of the Christian church and just being a spiritual person, you still see people performing. I just think people are way more honest about the performance. So we talk when we go into a yoga class now and we could be like, okay, so how, how much of that time we're in our heads caring about what other people thought of the poses rather than being in our hearts. So it's this open conversation where people are okay to be vulnerable, where I felt like in that space, at least in that time, back in the early nineties, when I was a kid, there wasn't those types of conversations. It was mm-hmm. an expectation that you can immediately get there. And now on the outside looking in, I'm like, maybe some people really were there. Cause I believe you can essentially induce yourself into a spiritual high. I can do that with breath work. Yep. 
you might have been breathing so crazy from dancing around the room that you put yourself into a, a state and that's possible, but it's not just because of mystical God yeah. throwing you down. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So if anybody else has any questions about the slain in the spirit, we'll be happy to, to answer them because we'll give you uh, Sophia's contact information at the end. So please continue with your story. I'm not an expert in it. I just remember being <laughs> traumatized by it. I, well, that's good that to know that because I think it's important that you don't have to be an expert. Nobody is. Mm. What was your perspective of it is what I think is so fascinating because yeah. I certainly had mine as well. That was very similar to yours. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. And then one thing that this, this conversation brought me to, that I didn't even realize I would talk about is I went to a middle school or high school church camp. Of course, everyone does it. It's like the cool thing to do. And of course there's that last night where they've emotionally manipulated the children enough to really believe that you have to leave change. You cannot have any sexual thoughts. You're not going to want to think about kissing your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. And I remember thinking, I've got to be able to speak in tongues by the end of this. Like they said, you're going to receive your spiritual gifts by the end of this. And I, at this point, I, my parents had transferred to a very cool church, quote unquote. It was non-denominational. It was not noted as a charismatic church and people were somewhat calm. We sang songs like shout to the Lord. Those. Yes. Uh, yes. Pretty normal non-nominational yeah. church. Right. And, um, we thought that, and my parents even thought, wow, like we were manipulated in the past. And like, this is what actual church is. There doesn't have to be, you don't have to be there all day. You don't have to volunteer all day. This is just more normal. But in reality, there were still things that weren't really healthy about that either. So everyone who's been through this experience knows that camp is extremely emotionally manipulative. And if you haven't, it's you're out in the sun all day. You're playing games as a group. You're building these friendships. But there's a lot of pressure to be extremely vulnerable and reveal so much about anything you think could possibly be a sin. And so much of the time your sexuality or desire for sex becomes an idol because that's what they focus on your sin being. And as a 11 year old or to 14 year old, that might not even be on your, your radar. And I feel like they're pushing it there. And so you're getting to know all these people and your leaders and, and you're required to be vulnerable with your leaders. And so at the end of this, my leader knew I didn't have the gift of tongues yet. And tongues is whenever you're gifted with the divine secret language between you and God, which very good, I'm very good explanation. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's all I can, can do um, to explain it. But I, I'm not saying I don't think it exists or that someone could put themselves into their self in a meditative state by repeating syllables over and over. And like right now, I'm really passionate about studying green Terra and there's these syllables that go together and I don't know what they mean, but I appreciate that language and I research each little syllable. And I'm like, okay, if I could focus on this syllable, I can breathe in, you know, peace, exhale, any uh, division in my life, breathe in oneness, see, I'm focusing on something. So I do believe that in Christianity, you can choose whatever you want anything to mean and you could could focus and you could really have a, a word that brings you peace and you repeat it over and over again. But this is like pig Latin for those of you who have never heard it before. And 
I was expected to come up with something. And I just remember the pressure being so strong. And at the end of this night where the music was loud, the lights were on, the smoke machines were on, and all these kids with their hands in the air surrendered to the Lord and crying their eyes out. I remember my leader coming up to me and being like, you just did it. And I was like, did what? I've been sitting here focusing. It's not coming out. And like, she made me believe that I had actually done it. Oh, that's interesting. Because to this day, I can go back and be like, there's no way. (laughs) There's no way. But that day I went home or the next day I went home. I remember laying on my room floor, just staring up at the ceiling fan and being like, okay, if I stay here long enough and ask God hard enough, maybe I'll come back. Like maybe I did do it. And that was the first time I can look back and think, okay, I manipulated myself into believing that I could do this magical gift thing. And Looking back, I think I just had four syllables that I repeat over and over, and I don't know where they came from. I invented them in my head because that's what I felt I had to do, and I tried to give it some meaning, but I'll never know what I was doing. And so for those of you listening, I'm curious because this is something I've never talked about before on my platform. Did you invent tongues in your head or what was your experience with that? Did you? Well, actually I did have a very uh, mystical experience with tongues. It was something that uh, I did experience as a gift. And I remember the day um, I get a lot of uh, answers and a lot of spiritual guidance when I'm at close to water. So I was at the beach and I wasn't even thinking about it. And on my way back, I felt something welling up inside me. And it felt like when it, when it, this gibberish started to come out and I knew it was some kind of, I was invoking some kind of sacred language that I didn't understand, but I also knew that it was in partnership with something else. So therefore a time it served me that I could actually hear someone, I'm probably going to freak some people out here, but I'll I'll share more about it because when I could hear people speak in tongues and I could understand what they were saying. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) I could, I could understand it. And I, uh, I actually, I, I was able to use that gift, but I would not use it in the way that I was being asked to use it in church leadership as part of, as part of, uh, in my leadership role. Mm -hmm. It was, it was something I felt. I felt that was very sacred that invoked a sacred experience with the divine and the, uh, the, the heavenly angelic uh, spirit guide realm that really had, I, I did not see it as a way to uh, invoke uh, proclamations from the other side. I felt it was more about a way that we were just opening our us, we were, we were connected to spirit. Yeah. I I liken it to in, in the, uh, in the Tibetan traditions, there is the same kind of, uh, chanting that can occur from going into a higher level of chanting the Om or -hmm. chanting one of theirs. And you can go into this place of, of what they call gibberish, which is so ecstatic state that it's very, very rarely reached, but it can be reached. And they they say, take it very seriously if that's what you're Mm. trying to attain. And if you read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, uh, Eat, Pray, Love, when she was meditating and felt herself rise above her, Mm. herself, I see that in the same realm. I see all of that. So it's not just something, it's not a gift that's just part of Christianity. I believe it's a gift it's an inner faith, inner spiritual experience that's available to us all, but it comes to us in different different channels. Yes. 
Now, since I've left Christianity, I don't utilize the gift. I don't feel like it was something that, that, uh, uh, I, that I benefited from. Right. And so I don't use it. I've not desired it. There are other ways that I feel I'm connected to spirit and the, in the soul work that I do, that I receive guidance in my other practices. So I think for that, and because I saw it manipulated so much, I do think, for instance, I'm not, I don't believe that in that experience that you had is the, what you just shared is the exact perfect example of why those kinds of gifts should not be demanded in that kind of setting. Yeah. Especially for my kid. Oh yeah. Joyce Meyer would do the same thing in her conferences. And all of a sudden the the whole stadium would be filled and there would be people standing around like what is happening? Well, that's just that a lot of it becomes more more about show than anything else. But what, what we're looking for is that divine inner spiritual connection that, that feeds your soul. And that shows up in different ways for all of us. So now, like when I was being in our spiritual care with, with someone, I would receive questions. So if you and I are in spiritual care and you're seeking spiritual care for me, I would get questions for you. And these questions were not for you to answer to me. These were because that would also ensure that I'm not becoming your guru. You're taking mm-hmm. these questions back and you're going to, you're going to answer them on your own. And that was part of your, that was part of your homework. If right. you will, and you never had to come back to me for the answer with to tell me what the answers were, unless you felt like they had uh, some kind of relevance in your next steps and where we were working with your healing. Oh, I love that. So that's the way it manifests for me a lot of a lot of times now, and I sometimes I'll actually have it in lives. I'll have it happen now with in people. And I'll, I'll know the difference because of the way it just kind of shifts down. And that doesn't mean that I'm more gifted than anybody else. These gifts are available to everybody. Every one of us are connected to the divine in some mystical way. And it's all unique to each one of us. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what it is, that's okay too. I would rather you not than you try to glob onto something and say, oh yeah, she's doing that really well. I'm going to, that's, that's what I want. It just doesn't show up that way. It doesn't. What's so cool is for you, like hearing you talk about it, I can feel in my body it's real, like mm -hmm. because I can feel like the truth in what you're saying. So I don't look down on anyone who's ever said they've had the gifts of tongues, but I know that pressure was just yeah. Not okay. And kind of cuckoo. Yep. It's not the way <laughs> that's manip. That is, man- that is spiritual manipulation. It leads to religious yeah. trauma that happens so often. So, so what thank about- you for taking, <laughs> I love that we went down that road, but please ask your question because I think this is, I think our, our uh, viewers and our listeners will are enjoying well, I, this conversation. I'm, I'm loving this because I didn't know we'd go here, but you said you could translate what other people were saying. Could you hear when someone was faking the gift of tongue? Like, like you, you could, was that just gibberish? Okay. I can't translate that. So they're making it up. No, it was specific to people. So if there were, if there were several people, I could, I could just hone in my whole side of my face would just go red hot. And that would just come in as what they were saying. And a lot of times it, uh, it didn't happen a ton, but it did happen enough that it was words from ancient their either their ancestors or someone's telling us about an experience and wanting to, I don't want to say 
caution us or threaten us, but to say, don't repeat these things that we did in the past, move past these things. This still hurts my, my spirit, even on the other side of wherever they are, please, please don't, please help humanity move on was, was the kind of, was the kind of the message. It was always something uh, almost like a lamenting, uh, wanting, wanting humanity to just stay, keep moving forward was what was what would come out of that. And then some people I couldn't understand at all. And it didn't, I didn't, I never felt like, okay, they're, they're not right. It was just be someone's would just come at me okay. and it would usually be within three to five feet of where I was standing. So I don't know if, if proximity had anything to do with it. That's but, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was an interesting experience. I'm glad I, I had it because there have been people who said it's not real. And I can say it is real if, and I compare it, like I always just bring in Elizabeth Gilbert. I bring in yeah. the, the own mantra and what we know can happen. And other people who have been able to uh, invoke these spiritual gifts that I do believe are available to us in different ways. Um, but we have to be careful because when you, when they become something that is it to abuse people, yeah. then it's, it's something else. So you, you, you know, you should always look at somebody's gifts with discern, discernment. What, how are they using them? So Absolutely. I am so glad we went down this little yeah. rabbit hole, but <laughs> I would a good love, rabbit hole. yes, it is. Please get back to your story because okay. I, I did that little sidetrack, but I knew people, this was just something that needed to be discussed. Yeah. Cause I, I hadn't thought about it for years, honestly. Well, another thing that was interesting in my church experience was as I got older, well, since I was five, I played the harp. And so as I got older, I thought, oh, I, I would love to play. And my parents would always tell me, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? We'd be so proud of you if you could, you know, lead worship or add your harp to worship. And I'd always want to do that. I'd always want to volunteer for different events at church, what what would have you. And um, there was one mega church in Baton Rouge. I went to school at LSU and I was away from my family, but I thought, oh, I'm going to get connected at this church. And my parents were like, we're praying for you to get connected and focused again on church. And I really hadn't done anything that wild. I just wasn't going to church regularly. And they're like, we're praying for you. So I was like, okay, let me give this church a shot because it was associated with the mega church back home in Lafayette. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm a volunteer. I tried different things, but I was like, okay, I would really love to play the harp. I'm in school for harp and let's just... I have a harp that's, I'm very blessed. This harp that I have is electric acoustic and so many people in the world who play the harp most times don't even, aren't able to own their harp because they're very Mm -hmm. expensive. So I'm like, if I get to own my own harp, plus my family was able to get me a harp that can be plugged in like an electric guitar, I can make this thing sound like a Hillsong bass. Let's go, baby. (laughs) And and let's just say no one was interested in, in me bringing that to the table. And I was, I was really sad about it. And I would, I would try so hard to volunteer back home when I come home for the summers and say, well, can I lead my little sister seven years younger than me? Can I maybe lead her girls group or, you know, help lead, like co-lead, help set up the little tea parties or whatever they're having for these Bible studies. And I remember one of the leaders who was probably about four years younger than me asked me to come sit with her in her car. And it was while I was kind of waiting to hear back from them on their decision of if I could leave. And I remember we were in a pizza parking lot after we had just left the youth group after church pizza hangout. And it's so weird because I always grew up homeschooled. I was in college, but those moments, those after church moments, 
that was still like my joy and my my socialization. It meant so much to me to be accepted by those groups, even though I was out of it because I didn't get that validation when I was younger. So I was still like, yes, I'm in. Like they're thinking about considering me. She was like, come sit with me in the car. And she was like, Sophia, do you drink? Like, you? and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm in college. I have drinks with my friends sometimes. And she's like, yeah, but like you can't lead if anyone could ever see you drinking in public. That's just not... Okay. I was like, well, I'm never going to be one to drink at home. I think that's a really bad habit for someone to get into drinking alone. (laughs) I was like, I don't, not, no offense to anyone who has a glass of wine at night, but like in college, it might not be the best idea for you to just have a drink while you study (laughs) every day. So I'm not going to start that. I like to have a drink when I go out and have a pizza with friends. And she's like, well, you can't lead because one of these girls could see you having a drink and that could cause them to stumble. I'm like, they're 12. So that was really hard for me to accept because I knew in my heart, there's no way these girls don't also have drinks on occasion. Well, it turned out a year later, I found out from my little sister. I was like, oh, what are y'all doing tonight? And she's like, oh, me and this leader and this leader and this leader, we're all going have a game night and they really enjoy whiskey. So we're grabbing some, some whiskey and playing some board. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So it like tore me up because I was like, it's just not, it's not fair. That's not, it's not fair. Now there might've been other reasons why they didn't want me there. Maybe my shorts were too short. I didn't look pure enough, but, but even that's a great reason to bring to the table too. Right. I, I always felt in some way, shape or form that I wasn't holy enough. And as my pastor as a child would say, that means set apart. You should look completely different from the world. And that example always sounded good and made me feel good when I could hear someone say set apart. But in reality, I just wanted to fit in too. I didn't want to have to change who I was. And I I liked wearing my shorts. So I don't know if any of you listening have been through purity culture, but if you've been through that, you have to wear your shorts a certain length to be valued and to be seen as a woman who carries herself with dignity. And I always felt a little bit less than that. So, so that was my experience. Uh, that's, that's very interesting. And th- I think this is a good time to bring in We're we're recording this right after the Matthew West con- controversy with his song, modest is hottest. Yeah. And I believe pretty much it got wiped because the pushback was so, so hard against that song where he was really talking about it in such a, I'll use the word disgusting way using his daughter's um, uh, young age and what he thought was purity. And I really had a took great issue with one thing that didn't, wasn't really brought up was the way he, he considered the broad spectrum was between dressing like Amish or looking like Kim Kardashian. And I felt like that was, um, very insulting for both groups, first of all, and that he got to set what the middle was like. And, and then saying, no offense, Cardi B. Yeah. The whole Big offense. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing was incredibly misogynistic. You going through now, my, my purity cultural expensive uh, experience wasn't as toxic as yours, but you going through it and knowing that you constantly felt broken, like somehow you weren't being accepted because of who yeah. you are. And you were questioning things about that. How did that, did that song impact you in any way or the, or the fallout from it? Did that bot to how did, what was your response to that song? So thankfully, I think I've, I've healed so much that that wasn't a triggering factor for me. In fact, I, 
I saw a lot of other influencers who do what I do and speak out against what I speak out against on that topic. And I thought, well, I have a nice little booty picture from the beach. I can add to this conversation, (laughs) but I wasn't offended because I know that my job here on this earth right now is to essentially look at me and you and everyone else who's in our community as these little warriors. And we're building up an army to say, like there was the Lord's army song I sang as a kid. And then there's like the hey, like God's in us army and we don't deal with this crap anymore. That's the army I'm in. And I just feel like there were so many people who had already said, yo, this isn't cool. Shut it down so fast that that's what I saw the progress um, so quickly that I didn't have time to really get upset. And then he said there was something terrible about dancing in a, if I catch you in a crop, top dancing on the TikToks helped me got it. And so I made a TikTok that was like, this is for you. Me <laughs> dancing in the TikTok on the TikTok with the crop top. Hope it causes you to stumble because that's what I was always told my whole life. And it's, and that's what I do now. I dance on the TikTok in a crop top many times a day. And that's how I get a lot of my messages across through humor. So Honestly, I was grossed out by the song, but it wasn't shocking to me because that's how my dad talked to me every day. And that's something I've worked through and I'm able to share that now. And and even this morning, I had a woman reach out and say, you're obviously not healed from all your issues. And I don't understand why you just keep sharing things from your past. How can that be helpful? And the whole point of sharing what we do is to show other people that they can use their voice to share their story and that... I am still healing some of this stuff. It's taking humor to heal and I'm building a community online and it might as well people be people who have gone through the same thing so we can heal together and we can be mirrors for each other. So I I tend to use humor and in, in that content and the Matthew West thing was just another way for me to explore that and, and to go back in my head and think, wow, how many times did I hear my dad bring someone into his office who had sons and say, Oh, I hope your sons marry my daughters. They're all virgins. They're great girls. And they dress so wholesomely. They play the harp. I was the virgin Christian harpist. That was my identity for so long. And so just to hear a song like that is just another way for me to say, okay, is there anything left to process here? That's wonderful. What a great, what a great healing story. And you brought, there's several things there. I, I know that you've, you, you, you speak so openly about your past, but I also know that <laughs> I don't want to miss the part where you said that you and your family have, or your parents have worked through some of this, that you, there's, you love your parents. They were doing the best they they could at the time and they love you, which is also so important for our listeners to know. Yeah, they do in their own way. And you know what? They're, they're still not where I'm at. And they grew up with parents that didn't care at all what they did, um, and they've got themselves in very sticky situations. My dad grew up and was on drugs and he had three children, I think before he he was like 22. So I have a lot of half sisters. So my dad had a, a, a life that wasn't full of integrity. I mean, I'm pretty sure he stole and he, he did a lot of drugs and he didn't have sexual integrity. And so instead of finding that balance, all he did was what he could do and what he knew to do. He was raising us through that pain. And it is gross for me to think about how could a dad like sexualize his daughter so much. But my story, thankfully, is, is different than a lot of women. I wasn't sexually abused by my parents. I had things said to me that are 
that are gross and always talking about my body and finding my value and my weight and my appearance. But other women have had ways that purity culture have hurt them so much more. Maybe they were assaulted and their parents told them it was their fault or their parents were the abuser. Thankfully, that's not a part of my story, Um, but it still hurt. It still hurt and it still takes healing. The other part of that that you mentioned uh, is the the part where someone basically tried to deflect your story Mm. and, 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 and their goal was to force you to question what you were doing with your, with your mission here, with your platform here. And it sounds like you processed that beautifully. Cause I, I had a similar situation recently where someone said, well, because you're talking about it, it's clear that you're living in a spirit of offense. Oh Lord. That was said to me so many times. And I have to believe, okay, this has to be somebody who, who went to my uh, final church because that was something that was just, that was the buzz phrase. But my reaction was to laugh. Instead mm. of just being like, oh, wait, what did I do wrong? What, what, how am I going to have to contort myself now to try to get back into the, to their good graces? Yeah. I looked at that as like, oh, well done. Someone's been indoctrinated into her belief system, but that has nothing to do, do with me. So I'm just going to let that go on right by me, but use yeah. it as a teaching moment to say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to grab that comment and we're going to talk about it because someone mm. else is going to get that thrown at them where you're sharing your story, because you know, it has power, your story has power, and it's going to help someone. And speaking of that, since a couple of months ago, I had the honor of being interviewed by you for your podcast, the enlightened Enlightened (laughs) podcast. So please make sure to check that out. But also, um, I saw so many changes in you from then and now, Mm. and how you were starting to uh, another level of just peeling back the layers of who you are. Are you comfortable with sharing with us yeah. where, where you've landed in your, mm-hmm. in your authenticity and how, uh, like I said, your story has power. And I think, especially for so many of us who are uh, recovering from religious trauma, learning how to show up in our authenticity, I think people will uh, be inspired by, by your story. Oh, thank you. Well, I know that I broke a lot of, of anything that was left on me that was like chains to feeling scared to admit that I didn't care how other people saw me not interpret the Bible anymore. I'm not even making sense right now, but no, I that made it's, total it's, sense. It, okay. it made total sense. Yeah. I, I remember talking to you and someone sharing on the podcast that someone told me you need to read your Bible. And my response was, I no longer give an F what it says. That's not to say that I do not respect the sacredness of that text, as well as many other beautiful spiritual texts. I will find something in it and I will think that is beautiful, but it's also been something that was used to hurt me and and keep me down as well as so many other people. And I don't think the Bible was ever meant to be translated 100% literally. And one of the ways that it, it has been since 1946 has been telling people that if you have any attraction to someone of the same sex, then you are a sinner and you're just same sex attracted. You're not gay. You're just same sex attracted. And that is a sin. And I grew up with hearing my parents say that and saying, oh, what a waste it is to see this handsome man on TV, but he's gay. What a waste. What a waste it is for a beautiful human to not have their body used by the opposite sex, but by the same sex. That's how it always came across to me. Um, And ever since I was 
five, I remember having the feelings, little butterflies uh, towards women. <laughs> so it was something that I, I just thought, well, everyone probably feels that. Like, it's just normal. But then as I got older, I realized, oh, that's not normal. And I better not mention it because that's not accepted. And that's a sin. So how can I stop feeling that? And I think I've always liked both men and women. So since I was little, I had interactions and crushes on little boys and little girls, and it was just normal. But I remember knowing that I could only share that I had a crush on a boy and I could only make conversations about the crushes on the boys. But in reality, I had the crushes on the girls. And I I don't know how my parents couldn't see it because if anything, I know sexuality is this big spectrum. And if anything, I might be like, 20% attracted to men. The rest is definitely (laughs) like female leaning and especially very girly women. So I always had pictures. I have a type, obviously. I Taylor Swift, then blonde, (laughs) Carrie Underwood, Doris Day, um, always on my walls since I was really little. And I even had Carrie Underwood birthday cake two years in a row. How embarrassing is that to say? I had her picture on my Not at all. But most girls my age were having the boy bands on their cake and the boy bands on their wall. And my parents never had that conversation. They never questioned anything. They would just really hype up the guy crushes. And I think that in some ways, my bisexuality kept me, quote unquote, on the surface pure because it was very easy, not easy, but I could divert that sexual tension away from just men and avoid kissing my boyfriend. It was just a little bit easier because I just, I think there's different types of attraction for different people. You could be really sexually attracted to one guy, but only have a a friendship attraction with another guy. And so that first boyfriend, I was able to have that friendship attraction and only maybe a little romantic attraction and not sexual attraction and avoid the sexual temptation. Yes. And I thought I was being such a good girl, but in reality, looking back, I'm like, you didn't want to kiss. (laughs) So that's my experience where that bisexuality was actually a privilege. And I know for so many people, Uh, only a privilege to quote unquote, stay pure and stay safe in in that moment in my life. And for so many people and in so many ways for me, my sexuality also made me unsafe because it isn't safe in our religious communities always to say who we actually are. And for so long, I couldn't even say it out loud. I recently came out, I think six months ago now. Mm -hmm. So it's so fun to say it out loud. I'm bisexual. I'm proud. And I've known since I was little, I just kept it to myself. I think it was, you were processing that when we had uh, my interview with you and to see how that then changed. I don't want to say changed, but evolved in your message in Mm. your primarily your TikTok videos and then, but also what you share on Instagram. So any of you who are Mm. looking for someone who has stepped fully into their authenticity and celebrating who they are, you have to follow Sophia, because you're, I just, I love, and I, you call it comedy, but I call it reality. What Mm -hmm. you're sharing. Yes. You put the spin, you, you, you are a master at taking a trending sound and turned it into what it's applicable for your platform. And that's such an important to understand what your niche is and who you're speaking to, and you're doing that. 
so, so beautifully. So also consider any uh, digital coaching from her that you, that you might want, because she's doing that platform beautifully. I do love helping people make whatever they want out of their social media and help them grow their brand, uh, whether that's through Reels or TikTok, Instagram, helping them with the podcast. But I will say, to talk about what you just said about coming out and really blossoming, part of that journey has been letting people know I really have no clue what I'm doing. This is all very new to me to say it out loud and to actually put myself out there. And I'm in an incredible relationship already, a non-traditional relationship with an older man because um, we're 28 years apart and I love him so much. And he's always known that I've been bisexual. And just so people listening who don't know much about bisexuality understand me being bisexual and being at this season of my life, non-monogamous, ethically non-monogamous is actually more uncommon than just being bisexual and choosing one partner and, and going with that. Like, don't think bisexual people are promiscuous. In fact, even in my ethical non-monogamy right now, I've only been like dabbling with the idea of communicating with women. I don't really want a sexual relationship until I'm in a relationship and my partner's known since day one and we've been together for two and a half years and I've talked about this for two and a half years and talked about our boundaries and respecting one another. So this is something we're exploring. It's all very new. And even though it's something that we're doing very intentionally, I still have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but, but sharing it openly. And I think that's so important. And I know that, that right now, talk about one of those drops of the spirit coming in, someone mm. is feeling very uncomfortable about this conversation. Mm. And there, I want you, I want to invite whoever that is, that's hearing this and hearing Sophia tell her story is understand that our limited understanding about gender mm. fluidity is uh, through the masculine lens of sexuality. So where we are coming from, everything that we, we are as humanity has come through the lens of patriarchy. So of course, patriarchy is going to define traditional roles in sexuality, in religion and all of that. So we don't even realize how much of that we are internalizing. So you see that when women uh, reach out, they they may judge your character. They may judge your clothing. They may judge your story. Because I bet you the person who said to you, Oh, you're telling your story because you're still, you're still healed. You're, you're still hurt was a woman. Yes. I'm guessing that was a woman because we are brutal to, to other women. And the reason we are is because we are eternalizing that misogyny. Yeah. And so I invite you now into this conversation that our growth lives on the edges of our comfort zone. Mm. And it, this isn't an opportunity for you to judge anything that Sophia says, but it's an, an opportunity for you to see that it's invitation to start to walk in community with her, see her, yeah. seeing her as a human and as a reflection of humanity in its state, as it reflects nature, as mm. her story reflects more about the science of nature than what our patriarchal definition of what mm-hmm. traditional male female roles are. G- gender fluidity is really um, our future. Yeah. Gender fluidity has always been here, but now we're giving space for it. And that's, that's, that's how we are evolving. And so your six months and how you've changed and to, yeah. to even just go back and to see how your content has changed during that time. I just, 
uh, just bravo to you. Thank it's you. It's been wonderful to be so current. Uh, encouraged uh, by you. what you're doing and the space you're holding and the lives you are touching. Thank you. I was asked by multiple people, kind of sideways content, comment, backhanded comment saying, is, is your content only going to be about being bisexual now? Is this all we're going to hear about? Is this it? And, and what people don't realize is one, there's an algorithm that wants, wants you to focus on your niches. So now that that's become one of my niches, age gap content, spirituality content, um, and then now sexuality and yeah, it is going to, but it's going to be because one, my platform is my journal. It's an open book. So I no longer have to hide who I am. I find healing sharing it because no one can start a rumor about me. No one can say, oh, do you know what she does in private? No one can yeah, say that because exactly. who I am in my house is who I am outside my doors. And that's something that I'm really proud of because my whole life, I felt like I always had to hide. Yes. And so I want to show other people it's safe to just be you. And even in the moments when it's not safe, you you will find a community that that can hug you and make you feel safe. It is okay. And then to that person who you just felt very dropped in your spirit, like, okay, someone's listening and judging. I want them to know I was married for a year and a half to a man. And during that time, I found this polyamorous couple on YouTube that lived in Austin. I can't even remember the channel name, but I would I just watched their videos and like their, their discussions about their relationship dynamics and their authenticity with each other, learning how to trust each other and like not have judgment, very interesting relationship dynamics where it wasn't always sexual. It was just having the, all these connections with people and believing that abundant love is abundant. And, and you didn't have to be jealous if your partner talked to someone else. And it was such a new concept for me, but there was something that pulled me to watch it, but I thought I could never be like that. <laughs> I, that's so weird. Like, oh God, that's, that's like weird, but like, I'd still want to watch. And I loved how authentic they were with each other, how they related to each other so beautifully and openly. And it's so weird to think that even though I'm not there yet on that level, and maybe I'll never get there. Uh, I might just have one long term term girlfriend. I might just go through this like phase of like wanting that and then realize, okay, I'm bisexual, but I just want a monogamous relationship. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future, but I do know that in those moments of hearing about that for the first time, there were things that were really triggering. Well, that could never be me. And here I am today. So <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And I'm so glad you, you brought a, one note that I had here was about your uh, previous marriage and what, mm. what that taught you. So I, I'm glad you were able to bring that in. Now, as we bring this to a close, is there one thought, anything that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Mm. I heard, I've been reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and one thing that I've been learning, whether that's dating new people or waiting on a business deal to come through or something in your life to level up, when you hear that thing coming in saying, I'm sorry I kept you waiting, or that person responding to a text and energetically like, oh, sorry they kept you waiting, one way to respond and to be happy and not live always in the future or in the past has been my way of being happy now. And that's just saying, well, I've been enjoying being with myself. And when you're okay with being with yourself and you're uncovering all the shadows that you've hid for so long due to religious trauma, that's just one other way you can actually enjoy being with who you truly are. And Eckhart Tolle says, don't worry, you didn't make me wait. I was in 
joy with myself. That's beautiful. I was in joy with myself. And I feel like every layer I peel back every day, the more healing I do, the more I listen to podcasts like yours, Reverend Carla, I'm able to be in joy with myself because I'm not thinking of myself as a sin. I just really love myself and I see the divine in me and everyone else. So that helps you be more present if you can be in joy with yourself. Well, amen to that. You, yeah. this has been such a gift and, and you are a gift. Tell our listeners and our viewers how they can get a hold of you, how they can find your content. Awesome. Well, I am on Instagram and TikTok. I think that's how we became friends with TikTok. <laughs> and my platforms are always Sophia, S-O-P-H-I-A, Spolino, S-P-A-L-L-I-N-O. And you can find my website, it's just sophiaspolino.com. There you can book a mentorship call with me if you're looking for guidance, whether that comes to getting training, like one-on-one, like a, a Zoom call, private call, whether that's for TikTok training, Instagram, starting your own podcast, or you're looking for someone to just hold space for you as you go through personal transformation and hold you accountable to creating goals in your life for your own healing and your own personal development. That's what I do. And I'd love to work with you. Those are the ways we will in my podcast. Yes, that's right. And and that's at uh, iTunes and Spotify or yeah, it's everywhere. And you can go to my website too. And there's a spot where you can listen to it anywhere. And I just started putting it on YouTube. So you can actually watch the episodes now, which is kind of cool. Oh, oh, great. And I'll be sure to put those links in the show notes as well. So they can find you. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so, honored that oh, you asked me to be on your show. Oh my goodness. And I have a feeling you'll, you'll be back. All right. I'll close this out now. Okay. Beloveds. I am so honored to be in this space with you. And it's been such a joy to be with this beautiful goddess Sophia Spolino. And I pray you receive something because I know I did. The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and we will see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!